This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cavaliers are NBA champions! The series begins Thursday, April 9th. All right, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, your online wagering solution. We're going to be doing our Rockets Rewind series for the December 31st game from 2016 Rockets Knicks. Hope you guys enjoy. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Solomon Elite at Solomon Elite NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker. How are you holding up, man? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, got a lot of groceries, and that's kind of the main thing I need right now in my life, I guess. You know what's funny? I stocked up today. I'm good for the next two weeks. I'm gonna be in a in a cave, basically. <laughs> exactly. That that's how we uh. That that's the order of the day. It's the that's we're saving the world by hermitage. Yeah, you picked up any new TV shows or movies? Uh, I recently went back and watched through all of Community again for the first time in like five years. I really uh, need to pick this up because I've been getting a lot of recommendations to watch this show, and I watched a bunch of NBC shows, you know, Thirty Rock, The Office, and stuff, and par- par- Parks and Rec. Obviously, I have not watched Community yet, and I've heard a lot of great things. It is excellent. Uh, I I have very mixed feelings about Dan Harmon, the guy who created it and who is the co-creator of Rick and Morty. But uh, I have pretty solid feelings about that show, other than the one season that he was fired for in the middle of the series. Excellent show. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone who likes comedies. It's super weird and oftentimes very meta and like uh, kind of up its own butt a little bit, but in a way that I think is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, did you watch Tiger King? Uh, I I didn't watch Tiger King. I only know Joe Exotic from when he uh, was running for office like five years ago or whatever. So, I just want to talk about this documentary just for a second. And, and, and then we can talk about the Rockets. And we can talk about <laughs> the subject of this podcast. because I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about Tiger King. Hit me. Okay. So, I had seen this in my recommendation box for a couple of days for Netflix, and I just kind of ignored it. And then it started blowing up on social media, and you started seeing Joe Exotic everywhere, just like everywhere. 
and you started hearing, you know, about Tiger, it started trending on Twitter. And obviously everybody's on Twitter right now because there's nothing to do. Uh, I, I think they're having probably the highest activity, activity <laughs> they've ever had on their app. But yeah, everybody's talking about this documentary. It's blowing up. I'm like, you know what? And I started getting recommendations to go watch it. My friends are trying to talk about it. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a try. So I start watching it and I get engrossed, but I don't like it. If that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. It's a real. Tra- it, it seems like a real train wreck of a show based on some real train wrecks of people. It's it is fascinating. Just the characters. There, to me, like watching it in the beginning, you start to see. Okay, this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Three episodes in, it get, you get pretty. It gets becomes pretty clear. There are no redeemable characters in this. Like everybody's wrong. <laughs> Uh, are are they really characters, or are they more humans who actually exist? It's I view them as characters. It's fine, but but, but like I don't know what that says about me, but whatever. Um, so I'm I'm watching this, and like I I, I see this basically this lifestyle that's been under a rock for under American society for like the past <laughs> twenty years. No one's been talking about this uh this this part of society. And and, and you know what? I, I kind of feel happy that we didn't know about this for this long. And <laughs> after you watch the documentary, like it's only natural for you to go on a deep dive. And I didn't want to go on that deep dive. You know, like I didn't want to go on a YouTube rabbit hole looking up stuff about Joe Exotic and you know, all the people in this documentary, but you couldn't help yourself. It, it, it took me a long time to watch, by the way. It, like a lot of people breeze through this thing in like a day. And I'm just like, I don't know how you have the willpower to live right now after watching that, because <laughs> like that, that documentary is dark. And I don't know how, how, how anybody could go through that in one day, but I, it took me about a week and it, it, it was like, you know how you, you set aside like half an hour of your day. Okay, I'm gonna read like a chapter of this book, right? Like I'm, I, like I'm, I have to do this. So that that's how I viewed this documentary. I viewed it as homework, and I was watching it every single day. And more and more, I just became disgusted. And I'm like, I'm kind of angry at Netflix for doing this, <laughs> for for doing this to you, for allowing you to do this to yourself. I, I realized that I didn't have to watch it, but I had to watch it. And I, I, it's it's one of those things where like you know we get a documentary like this every few years, but but most of the time it's harmless, right? Like you get like you get like that. You know, what was that McDonald's doc? Like Super Size Me? You you get a documentary like that every few years, and it, it's it's really in- interesting and actually entertaining and informative. And this was informative in a way that I don't feel was healthy. Like I I I don't feel like I I, I could utilize any of the information I gained from watching this documentary. <laughs> Uh yeah, that that knowing this has lessened you, probably right. Like I feel like I, I took about you know I don't I don't want to say I took a year off my life, but but I feel like a solid six hours are gone. You know, I definitely I definitely have watched like shows and movies that have made me like a morally worse person afterwards. So uh, I can I can get it. I get it. Well, so here's the thing for us. I would actually recommend that you watch this, and I'm going to tell you you're going to hate it. But I recommend you watch it because it's one of those things where like I you don't want to do this to yourself, but you want to do this to yourself because you you have to understand what the hell has been going on for the past. Like (laughs) this has been going on since the 80s, like the like apparently the subculture that I I had no idea about this zoo keeping tiger, the big cat uh, subculture. It's been a huge thing on the Internet and I didn't know. And. You know, it's one of those things where, like, I, I, I think you should watch it. I feel sorry for those cats. 
Yeah, I do. I do. Um, yeah, I just leave it at that. I, I feel I feel sorry for the cats. I get, there's no caveat <laughs> there. I, I feel bad for the cats. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with let's be kind to cats. That's that's my main takeaway in basically every aspect of my life. Yeah. Um. So Rockets Knicks. So we are doing uh, we are doing the Rockets Rewind series, and the game we're doing today is Rockets versus Knicks at Toyota Center, December thirty first, two thousand sixteen. This was a New Year's game. Uh, just a wild game from James Harden. I think we should add some context, shouldn't we, about about the MVP race between Harden and Russ at this time? Yeah, it was. Uh, this was the dead heat of the MVP race too. It was right, it was kind of right in the middle of the season. You know, uh, this is the the end of the you know of the 2016 calendar year, and at this point, it was like a total toss up as to who was going to win MVP. Uh, Russ had been averaging his triple double, but James Harden had been going absolutely berserk all season as well. This was that year that ever that all of us in Houston were arguing that uh, having two more assists and two fewer rebounds is really just as good as having ten and ten. Yeah, and the interesting part of this MVP race is like you saw it coming in the summer. Like you start you started to see people hype up both of these MVP candidates. There was probably more hype to Russ because Kevin Durant had just left the Thunder, and it was obviously a really controversial free agency decision, and. You know, pe- people were starting to prop Russ up as you know he was. He's, he's going to have an insane season, and he did. He had an insane season. And like, do you want to relitigate how the media got this wrong for like three minutes here? <laughs> I mean, we might as well. We've done it for we've done it so long that we might as well do it a little bit longer, right? Yeah. So here's a take that some people may get very angry at me for, but guess what? It's my podcast, so I can say whatever the hell I want. Um. James Harden will end his career as one of the 25 greatest players of all time. To me, that's indisputable at this point, and I've thought that for a while. It's the same way Karl Malone, Charles Barkley, and John John Stockton are all considered top 25 guys, even though they haven't won a championship. On numbers and individual accomplishments alone, he will get there. Like, do you first of all do you agree with that premise? I think that's true. Uh, I mean, I. I guess I, I am sort of biased, but uh, I I am predisposed to think that James Harden is one of the best we've ever seen. He's like no one else we've ever seen, and yeah, he's 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 def- I think he's top twenty five, definitely top fifty at, at absolute worst. And it's one of those things where like people may not like it, like like it's not people may not like people don't like that, like people don't like that I just said that. Right. There's someone listening to this podcast groaning, right? That that I said that James Harden's a twenty five all time player. But it's like so indisputable. You look at right, right, his basketball reference, his Wikipedia, what, like whatever the hell you want to look at to reference his statistics, his achieve, his individual achievement achievements, um, and it's so indisputable that it's like it, it's it's uh, it's objectivity at this point. And this idea that Russell Westbrook will end his career with the same amount of MVPs is laughable to me. Because if we're being brutally honest about this, they were never in the same tier of players as each other. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And th- some some people were saying this at the time. I mean, right now, obviously, there's no contest. But even at the height of, of Russ's powers, uh, a few of the smarter folks were like, no, it's it's pretty obvious which of these guys is actually the better player. Uh, but... Yeah, it's 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 weird that there was a time period when the the I guess the majority of people covering the NBA uh, 
really like bought into this, which is not to look, which is not to say anything bad about about Russell Westbrook, but yeah, I don't think he's it quite in the same tier as James Harden, who's a true all timer. You know, I blame this on a couple of things. So obviously, the triple double thing is a big thing, and like it's one of those things where like a lot of people fell in love with it. And if he had averaged nine point eight, I feel like he would have gotten a lot less votes. And there's also, you know, this is a happened in NBA history before. Free agency decisions really f- up MVP races. And what I'm talking, <laughs> what I'm referencing right now is the 2011 MVP race where LeBron James left Miami, and everybody kind of lost. I mean, left left Cleveland in 2011 to go to Miami to join Bosh and Wade, and everybody kind of lost their mind for for you know six months and gave the MVP to Derrick Rose when it was clearly either LeBron or, or Dwight Howard, but everybody wanted it to be the hometown kid, the guy, you know. Like, pe- people made it an MVP race about character and a guy with less help, you know. Like, the same thing happened in this MVP race, but, like, on steroids. Because I don't think... So, obviously, Russ had a great season, right? Like, I, none, none of us... You and I are not going to argue that that wasn't true. Yeah, I... There's nothing wrong with a guy winning MVP for uh, while have, while averaging a triple double, and especially in the way he went about that. That I, I have no I have no qualms with that being considered an MVP worthy season. So here's why I disagree with that. When you look at the other players on the ballot, that's that that's where the the argument falls apart, right? Like if if Russell Westbrook existed in a vacuum and that season existed in a vacuum, you're right. It's worthy of an MVP. But Kawhi Leonard and James Harden were having equally awesome years on better teams, both of them. And I feel like both of those guys had better cases for the MVP award. Uh, and if it, if, the, if it went to Kawhi, I would not be as upset about it. I really wouldn't. Like if, if Kawhi got the MVP that year, the Spurs won like 60-something games, right? And I, I, I have a high priority on winning when it comes to this MVP race. Like I, I defend that Steph uh, 2015 MVP, the one that he won over Harden. I, I'll defend that to this day. Like I think the voters got it right. And this is one where I'm just like, I will argue with it till I die. The voters got it <laughs> wrong. Like, and, and we have a lot of people who believe this. It's not just like it's 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 a real flashbulb moment for NBA history where like. It's so polarizing. You have clear and div- divisive camps. Um, and I feel like the vast majority of the voter pool got it wrong here. And they were most of them were in the wrong camp. Yeah, and uh, if you ask me, the, the smarter NBA minds at the time were saying, well, mm, don't get carried away with round numbers. It, it, it probably actually is James Harden. And uh, it's on the, on the other hand, I feel like... It, we have been kind of vindicated in the fullness of history, right? Like Russell Westbrook kept averaging triple doubles and didn't even sniff an MVP afterwards. Uh, and kind of the, uh, the, the long-term ramifications of it is that the triple double as an institution has taken pretty serious damage. I think in the eyes of, uh, of NBA followers, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's one of those things where like, I feel kind of, I feel kind of dirty writing out triple double. Right, like I, it, it it feels wrong to write it now, and it is a significant stat because it's a pretty big sign that you're productive for an NBA game in a significant way. Yeah, uh, but but yet somehow, 
I, I, I think we got carried away in overvaluing it for a season. Yeah. And, and that's damaged, as you said, the triple-double as an institution. Like, we, we talked a lot about Oscar Robertson being the only person to ever win an MVP, not to ever win an MVP, but to ever average a triple-double. And all throughout that season, I was just screaming, but Oscar didn't win the MVP that season. Like, <laughs> he did not win the MVP the year he won the triple, he averaged the triple-double. So this idea that you have to give it to someone because he averaged a triple-double or a quote-unquote because it hadn't been done before, right? And then the next season, Russ averages another triple-double and the the, the Thunder went, go on to win another mediocre 47 games, right? And they added Paul George, right? Like, And it, it just kind of put to heart this idea that this was wrong. It was just, it was just a wrong. It was the wrong choice. And p- there are people that will stick up to this to this day because you know when in doubt, double down. Right? Like that. That's that's the mantra. Right? When you when you're wrong and you know you're wrong, double down on that. Right? But it, it's like people talked about this Oklahoma City Thunder like it was absolutely trash. Right? Stephen Adams, Victor Oladipo, Demonis Sabonis, and I'm just like these are all talented players. I don't know what you're talking about. Like people are talking about. Um, People are talking about Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon as if they were, you know, Kareem and Kobe, right? Like, like, like they, they were propping them up <laughs> as these uh, these elite uh, teammates that Harden had, and that this team was so fer- perfectly fit around Harden that it it was somehow a you know a demerit against him. You know, it, it, it's very frustrating talking about it even to this day. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live, daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code Blue Wire, all caps, all one word, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. It was really weird, and like I, I get why it happened. And here's here's my take, honestly, which is just that the MVP is at its core a, a narrative based award, which is to say, whoever's doing the coolest stuff that season tends to get it, right? Whoever's like out there kicking the most ass, basically, and like burning down all the you know the burning down the league and the and getting everyone excited is usually going to win MVP and that tends to be the best player on the best team in most situations but not always and sometimes it just happens that uh, a guy has averages a triple double on a 47 win team yeah and it's one of those things where like we should learn from this and make sure it never happens again but it's going to happen again in like 10 years like we're going to get the MVP wrong and get another 10 years and it's going to make me mad then uh, like, just like it made me mad in 2016. It also doubled down on this idea that, man, people really, really don't like Harden, right? Like, and I, I bring this up all the time on the podcast, but it's true, man. People just liked Russ better than Harden at, at that point in, in time. Like, it was like, it was so obvious. People really, and, and people talked about how they liked Russ more than Harden. Like, oh, he's more fun to watch. Oh, he's exciting. And Harden's just really really boring oh he flops or he you know the, the system is is catered around him right like all these these dumb superlatives that were talked about were you know it, it was maxed it was like to the max that season 
Yeah, and it was it's kind of weird to see the, uh, the the knee-jerk reaction that Houston fans had about how, oh, everyone just hates our guy, which, you know, uh, I'm willing to admit that, you know, we sometimes get possessive uh, of our guy. But it turns out that, yeah, people do just kind of not like watching James Harden. And that, that whole narrative just kind of ran away. And this, this is when it was really starting, when uh, the, the James Harden sucks to watch, like, became a truism in the NBA while he was doing incredible stuff like he did in New York on that day. Not in New York, in Houston. To New York. Right. Uh, so let's talk about this game. Uh, we, had to, we had to add the backdrop. So... So these guys were doing crazy things on a night-to-night basis. It was back and forth. It was a back and forth stat battle, and just for some context, uh, Harden before this game. So so this was a back-to-back. I think a lot of people forget that. Like the Rockets had played a back-to-back the the game prior against the Clippers, and Harden had. Um, let me read where did I put this. He had thirty points, thirteen rebounds, and ten ten assists, five steals, and two blocks. Uh, the game before, the night before, uh, against the Clippers, um, and for some context, obviously, like, so Chris Paul was obviously not a rocket at this point. It was just Harden and really good role players. Uh, Clint Capella was injured for this game. Patrick Beverly was injured. The starting lineup: Harden, Corey Brewer, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and Montrez Harrell. And this was not the Montrez Harrell you see today. This was this was still a good Montrez Harrell. It's, it was not what you what you see in the Clippers today. It was this was baby Montrez Harrell, and this was yeah. Corey Brewer yeah. like at his most infuriating to watch. <laughs> yeah, so this was this was ran out of talent, Corey Brewer. Yeah, yeah, this was uh, Corey Brewer. Coaches love me, but I'm not actually that good, Corey Brewer. <laughs> Uh, whom I will always love and have a, have great affection and respect for, but yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, l- let's talk about this game. So the Rockets start this game down 23 to 13. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where like they're playing from behind the entire time. And, and, and Harden's just doing everything he can. Like, this is one of my favorite Harden abilities. And one of the things that gets underrated, like he will do everything he can for his team to get them to victory. And, you know, some people may view that as damaging long term, but in the short term, it leads to lots and lots and lots of wins. And this is one of those things where like he did everything for the Rockets. I'm not going to read a stat line. We're going to end that. We're going to do that later. But he was making a bunch of step back threes. He was dishing out a bunch of passes. Uh, Ryan Anderson. Good game. Uh, do you want to know his stats? I would love to know his stats. Ryan Anderson, one, one of his better games as a Houston Rocket, I would say. Ryan Anderson, 25 points. Uh, <laughs> four of eight from three-point range. Eight of 12 from the field. And by the way, this was Ryan Anderson, terrible at, in the Toyota Center, Ryan Anderson. This was back when he could not... I don't know what it was, something about the color red. He could not hit a shot to save his life at home. And uh, this was one of those rare games where he actually hit everything. uh, And Houston needed every bit of it. Well, yeah, they did uh, that because this was yeah they were they were like about even with the Knicks at halftime. It was an actual game, uh, which you don't usually it 
you don't always see actual games where guys go off the way that James Harden did, but yeah, it took it took like Ryan Anderson having that kind of a night and getting excellent passes from from James Harden, a lot of excellent passes from James Harden for this to happen. Uh, some of these passes, by the way, behind the back through defenders' legs, like uh, you know, half court uh, f- f- through the court, right? Like it was like really, really spectacular passes that Harden was dishing out to shooters. Uh, and this Knicks team at the time, it was bad, but they hadn't hit their stride as a truly embarrassing team yet. Like they were, <laughs> they were sixteen and sixteen, so five hundred record going to this game. Uh, Brandon Jennings and Joakim Noah like randomly turned back the clock. And had awesome games. Uh, like I'm going to read Brandon Jennings' stats for this game. 32 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. He was 3 of 8 from 3-point range, 12 of 22 from the field. Randomly went off on the Rockets. <laughs> sure, why not? Right, and this is 2016 Brandon Jennings, not 2012 Brandon Jennings. I just want to remind people. Uh, so weird. Uh, yeah, this was this was a game where the Knicks were not terrible yet. This was so. All right, I, I, here's a little little perspective of where I was at at that time. I actually remember this night uh, because I had gone over to a friend's house to watch the game because, as we said before, it was New Year's Eve, and this was the game that was on before you know we all go outside and go go to parties and do do all the things you do on New Year's Eve. So we were all kind of meeting up uh, here to watch this basically random Rockets game against a random opponent, pretty much, and. Uh, what began as just another game uh, pretty quickly turned into all of us freaking out about just what was happening here. Like it went from being something we were watching to pass the time to us basically like breaking out the alcohol ahead of time and just uh, just laying in and partying with James Harden as he just completely obliterated the Knicks in one of the wildest performances I have ever seen in my life. Like I don't I do not remember the parties I went to afterwards. I remember this game. <laughs> no, and it was wild to see the reaction on on Twitter because nobody gave a crap about this game. And then once you started to see Harden's stat lines add up by the third quarter, it was like, what does Harden have? Excuse me? And people started turning to this <laughs> game and watching it. And like by the end of the game, like, so I'm going to, I'm going to read Harden's, I'm going to read Harden's final stat, stat line for this game. Here we go. 53 points, <laughs> 17 assists, 17 assists. 16 rebounds. Uh, James Harden, 6'5", by the way. I just want to remind people here. He's 6'5", uh, 16 rebounds. Uh, and he's he's getting these rebounds over not not small people. I mean, we're talking like Joakim Noah and, you know, uh, Carmel Anthony. You know, like some guys with significant size. Uh, 14 of 26 from the field. 9 of 16 from three-point range. 16 of 18 from the free throw line. To me, the most staggering stat is that he got to the free throw line 18 times and still shot as much as he did in this game. Unbelievable. Yeah, watching this happen was like... It was like... uh, it, It was like watching... A roller coaster that never uh, like crested the hill. I guess like I kept waiting for him to stop exploding. Like I I was wondering, okay, he's he can't keep doing this forever. He's not gonna just keep like he's not gonna keep the, this lineup for the entire game. But he just kept going. He just kept going. 
how does he do, how did he do it like every time we would turn around he was hitting another three or he was grabbing another rebound like it, it, he was a one-man wrecking ball that beat and like beat pretty convincingly uh, a Knicks team that was actually giving the te- the Rockets a run for their money like he he completely took over this not notable game and made it notable for one reason only which is James Harden so I actually found uh, the tweet I had for this game. Uh, I, I tweeted an, Im- an image of the box score, and it was the, the the caption I had was "What kind of prank is this?" Because <laughs> it, it it was just wild, man. Like, what kind of box score is this? Like, this does, this doesn't exist. Like, fifty three points, seventeen assists, sixteen rebounds. And it, it it's like it, this might be his his best box score as a rocket ever, and he, and at at the same time I don't even feel like it's his best game as a rocket ever. Like this was just just a random game where he exploded on all levels, and the team really needed it because again they were playing from behind. Uh, they managed to get a seventeen point lead, but they kind of blew it by the time the fourth quarter came around, and then Harden had to get them back into it and, and keep shooting them out. And win this game. They ended up winning this game by like ten. Let me see the final score. They won the game one twenty nine, one twenty two. And um, it like like Harden's like stat stat line was like one of those no bullshit stat lines in in that they actually needed everything that he got. Not it, there was no there was no stat hunting in this game. Yeah, I mean they were they were up by like a like bigger than that earlier on. Yeah, yeah they were up by seventeen at one point, but. Yeah, it, it never became just like a total blowout, as you might think, <laughs> given given what James Harden was doing. They did, in fact, need it. Well, and here's the here's the other thing that I remember from this night too, which is that uh, Twitter flipped out over this, obviously, because this is exactly the kind of thing that Twitter can and should flip out over. This uh, felt like the peak of his MVP on Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. This after this game. A lot of the people who have votes for the MVP uh, were saying, well, uh, for the time being, this looks like things are swinging back James Harden's direction, right? Like at this at this moment, James Harden actually probably had like a leg up on Russell Westbrook for the MVP after that night. That's the kind of performance this was that people right. were like, "Ooh, Russ better do something about this. Right. If, see, if the season ended in 2016, that's it. That's Harden's award. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been his award. Like, this was a like a truly impressive showing that. This, and this was and this was the New Year's Eve game too. The like, New Year's Eve games are they're not just you know one of many on the schedule. Generally speaking, this this is a game that people are watching. This is one that people were paying attention to. Yeah, and Harden played forty two minutes, and this is just a regular regulation game on the second night of a back to back, and he was playing without Patrick Beverly and Clint Capella. That, that, that's what. To me, like the endurance part of this, it's is also what makes this really impressive. It's like this is a back to back where he also had another triple double, and uh, it was against a really good Clippers team. And you know he's playing, you know he's playing the Knicks, which you know the Knicks aren't really that good, but he's playing with all without all these teammates, and he had to play this heavy minute, like this many heavy minutes, uh, and he pulled out this stat line. He was actually efficient for the entire game. Like that, like normally when you play a back to back and you play 42 minutes, you're, you're expecting that second night to be, you know, significantly less efficient. And he managed to be just as efficient the second night. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, sometimes James Harden can bring it, and by sometimes I mean a hell of a lot of the time. It's uh, his most impressive ability, I would say. Yeah, he can just, like, no matter how tired he is or what's happening, he can just completely blow you away any given night. Uh, it is it is incredible. He's You never know any given game, like, what level of supernova you're going to get. There's absolutely no possible way to predict it. And that's it's really exciting to me to just to randomly see him go off for a 53 point triple double out of nowhere. Like that's part of why I think he is one of the one of the all time greats. Like there is there is no one who can stop him. It seems like he's like a hurricane. It it will end when it wants to and not when you tell it to. Right. The only person that can stop James Harden is James Harden. Right. Like like that's it. Like uh you know he'll he'll have he'll have bad games and you know we've made a lot of his you know shortcomings in the playoffs but like it's not because teams are defending him like great it's because you know he just had a bad game yeah uh it doesn't it doesn't matter what the opposing defense does it just is it's something else if i if i knew how to like how to tell what it was that was making james harden have a good or bad game uh, i would be a much richer man than i currently am because it's as so far random as I can right tell, it's yeah <laughs> it, it's never like okay like the rockets are playing the warriors on national tv harden's harden hates the warriors he's about to go off no like it, it, oftentimes it's it's never that it's like when you least expect it like it's like a random game. like when you when you start to underestimate James Harden he'll pull out a performance like that uh, and we're gonna talk about one of those performances later on in the Rockets Rewind series like I'm kind of hinting at that uh, Warriors game where he played with Austin Rivers as the second best ball handler um, against a healthy Warriors team and won. Uh, like uh, th- that, that to me is another example of like the when you least expect it, he's going to put the team on his back, like in his backpack, and pull out an incredible win. Um, but yeah, this this was definitely one of them. It, this is this is in his basketball uh, highlight reel. Like this is one of those games you're going to see on NBA TV in like ten years. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing this game on NBA TV right now, but I know they don't tend to do that for yeah. games that are just a few years old. <laughs> it, it, it might, hey, it, it might, it might show up on NBA TV right now. NBA TV, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert: they need a little, they need some content. Um, they they are uh, they are pulling out all this. Some of these old games, by the way, are really fun to watch. I just watched, uh, and I know we're getting off track from this game, but I feel like we've talked enough about it. But I, I just last night I just watched uh, Mavs Heat in the 2011 Finals. Awesome series, Dirk, real much better passer than I remember him to be in that series. Like, like from the from the high block, he, some of these passes he's making are like guys like Tyson Chandler or like a cutting Sean Marion or Jason Kidd. Really, really impressive. I know, I, I know it's really off topic, but I, but I just wanted to mention it because we're talking about NBA TV. Yeah, I'm uh, talking about that series. I'm I'm really glad that uh, that he got that that championship there. Not just because he deserved it, but because we deserved not to be stupid about Dirk Nowitzki anymore. Uh, everyone, he was weirdly like not respected before that championship. I know it's easy to forget that, given it was like nine years ago, and uh, nowadays everyone just sees Dirk as one of the greats. But there was a time when he was considered soft, and he didn't have what it takes to make it all the way to the championship, so on and so forth, and heavily I, disliked. Yeah. I don't know why either. I don't how. Why he's so, he's such a good dude. 
it, it's it's very similar to kind of tie back to Harden right now. Uh, what yeah. Dirk, what Dirk was um, it, when he was in his you know early thirties, like people people were talking about him like with such great disrespect, uh, and it was really infuriating. And you know, like the, this is my like I started I started this podcast talking about Harden and how I believe he's one of the twenty five greatest players of all time. Like I believe Dirk was that before he won that title, right? Like I like I think we need to be smarter about the way we talk about players and. I know championships are a big part of the picture, but they're not everything. Like we need to really appreciate these performances. Part of the reason I'm doing this Rockets rewind series, obviously, a big part of it is there's really nothing else to talk about. But another reason is we really need to appreciate how ridiculous this man is as a basketball player. A lot of the games I have featured on this list are just Harden. Like that, like like eighty percent of the reason it's on there is <laughs> because because Harden's there doing something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we haven't ever seen anybody like him on this team. Uh, we've seen other great players who are great in different ways, but we've never seen anyone like Harden because no one's ever seen anyone like Harden. He's a singular and bizarre talent, and it's. I think he's deeply compelling, whether he's going off for the 50-point triple-double or uh, just doing some weird, unguardable stuff like step-back threes that infuriate everybody around him. He's... James Harden is rare and precious, and we need to appreciate him while we have him. That's my thesis statement. It's a good one. It's a good one. Forrest, do you have anything to plug before we head out? Uh, I mean, I have a, I have another podcast I do uh, where I talk about Final Fantasy. If y'all want to listen to video game talk, uh, it's called Crystal Catalog. Look that up. Uh, other than that, I'm just trying to live life. <laughs> I'm just trying to survive. I don't really have much to plug either. We're going to continue this podcast series, obviously. Uh, we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, just wrote a State of the Rockets if the season continued. We talked about uh, if, assuming the season restarts, the position the Rockets are in and how it's kind of an awkward stopping point they had for their season. They're like a six seed right now. They lost four of the last five games, and I talked about that in depth in that. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, wrote about Yao Ming, uh, which was really fun for me. Uh, I wrote about Yao Ming a couple weeks ago. You guys can go check that out. And yeah, stay tuned to this podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at NBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at DunotsDunots. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>